Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome here to another edition here of the Man of Steel podcast. So, of course, yours truly, Charles Pride Richie. And uh, tonight, uh, we pay homage and tribute to the late Franco Harris, who uh, last week uh, passed away due to a heart attack uh, late uh, last uh, Tuesday, uh, December 20, uh, last uh, week. As it relates, uh, December twentieth, uh, uh, Franco Harris, uh, who uh, passed away at the age of seventy-two, uh, truly one of the key figures in the Steeler franchise, and how much he would help uh, contribute to changing the fortunes around. On top of guys behind uh, Chuck Noll and the grafting and me, Joe uh, Green decided died December twentieth, uh, sleep due to a heart attack, seventy-two. And uh, this presence was uh, definitely felt. Uh, former four-time Super Bowl champion uh, and Pro Football uh, Hall of Famer. He also made the Pro Bowl uh, nine times, which is the second most by any running back in NFL history. One-time All-Pro, uh, All-Decade team and for the 1970s. He was also the Offensive Rookie of the Year in 1972. Of course, uh, definitely will forever remember him for the immaculate reception that happened in Three Rivers Stadium in the first ever playoff win for the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. Uh, Dan Rooney, who had the opening statement uh, following the next day on the loss of uh, Franco, I quote, it's difficult to find the appropriate words to describe Franco Harris's impact on the Pittsburgh Steelers. His teammates, the city of Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation, Rooney said, from his rookie season, which included the immaculate reception for the next 50 years. Franco brought joy to people on and off the field. He never stopped giving back in so many ways. He touched so many, and he was loved by so many. Our thoughts and prayers are with his wife, Dana, his son, Doc, and his extended family at this difficult time. Uh, he did, in his career, which is basically all summarized, he basically spent 12 seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers from 1972 to 1983. He did play one lone season with the Seattle uh, Seahawks, finished his career where he started six out of eight games. Uh, not really much of an impact there. He only had 68 rushes for 170 yards uh, in that season. I mean, he would uh, go on to uh, finish uh, about, I mean, for he would finish up 192 yards shy of Jim Brown's rushing record at the point in time. Brown had 12,312. Franco Harris had 12,120 uh, yards off of 2,949 attempts uh, when uh, his career came to an end. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, he had this to say on Franco's passing. Uh, he met so much Steelers fans as a Hall of Fame running back who helped form the nucleus of the team's dynasty of the 70s, but he was so much more. He was a gentle soul who touched so many in the Pittsburgh community and the entire NFL. Oh, best. I mean, his words can't begin to describe the pain I am feeling. Uh, the boss would say, Frank will always be a brother, mentor, and my definition of greatness. He was a legend on the field and personification of excellence off of the field. A true class act to look up to and aspire to be like rip number 32. Uh, Najee, who also uh, chimed in, he's like, family, you know what I mean? 
Najee Harris said. Uh, Mayor Ed Ganey also said that Pittsburgh, they lost a legend today. I ask that you join me in praying for my family and friends of Franco Harris. Not only was the greatest running back in history of Steelers, but a great man off field whose kindness and generosity was felt by so many. And, I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, we definitely remember him for what he contributed as Pittsburgh Steelers. But when you look at all those uh, teammates uh, that are part of him, I mean, they were on that in that era that went on to win four Super Bowls in the 70s, also eight playoff appearances uh, during that time. I mean, you think of every one of those guys, including Franco, they were all iconic. They were like the immortals of the game right there. I mean, if you, if you really uh, think about it, I mean, uh, he, he was just uh, so many ways where he just uh, really was a stand-up guy. Many people will definitely argue that the Pittsburgh Steelers' uh, success – and who they truly became, Pittsburgh Steelers, began in 1972. I remember the first decade uh, when the Steelers came into existence in the NFL, they were known as Pittsburgh Pirates. They did make one playoff appearance about uh, 25 years uh, prior, which was in 1947. And the role at that time is, I think it was uh, two division, uh, the winners of each uh, division, which would be uh, two in the conference, would face off for the NFL championship. Now, if there was a tie uh, for the division lead, there would be a playoff. So it wouldn't be a tiebreaker back in that time. The Pittsburgh Steelers were then tied with the Philadelphia Eagles, who they did uh, lose to in that uh, playoff uh, series back in 1947, which the Eagles would go on to win the NFL uh, championship. Uh, the record uh, for that year uh, for the Steelers in 1947, they were eight and four that year, and they will get shut out by the Eagles, 21 to nothing. The Eagles would then, uh, in that uh, same uh, playoff, they would then go on to defeat the. I mean, they no, excuse me, they would lose the championship to the Chicago uh, Cardinals right there, the NFL championship. Like me, I'm wrong there, but uh, yeah, that's uh basically what ended up uh, happening. But since uh. Then, I mean, the Eagles, uh, from that point, they will definitely uh, go on to uh, win back-to-back uh, -back championships after being the Steelers for their one only uh, playoff appearance. I remember the Steelers uh, being shut out. They did not score an offensive uh, touchdown ever in the playoffs. That didn't happen until uh, 1972. I mean, which was a game a play that will forever be mixed reviews, beneficial for the Steelers, no doubt about it, but also controversy on the other side, uh, which we, we call the immaculate reception. In the Raiders' eyes, it was a immaculate deception. Now, again, this was the Steelers' only uh, playoff uh, touchdown ever, which uh, came in that one, and where they would – uh, win that game, and the Steelers in that game who were just uh, – both sides were just playing great defense pretty much through most of the ball game at that point. And if you looked at it right there, I mean, they had an incredible season where the Steelers went 11-3 and in that uh, contest. I mean, the very first score didn't happen until around the third quarter – where the Steelers would go up 3 nothing, and then another uh, field goal by the Steelers are up 6 nothing. With a little over a minute to go, uh, you had uh, Kent Stabler, 
uh, at the time, who was a quarterback uh, for the Oakland uh, Raiders, he tied the game a 30-yard rushing touchdown. They went ahead 7-6 to six with a successful uh, point extra point attempt. And uh, the rule at the time uh, for the medical reception, the play that did happen where Terry Bradshaw was trying to target John Frenchy Fuqua, if the ball were the uh, ricochet, uh, basically, you know, off an offensive uh, player uh, twice, I mean, basically in that uh, game right there, if it hit an offensive uh, player twice, then it would be considered an illegal uh, play. Because uh, here, here's the thing, though. Because if the ball bounced off only uh, Tatum of the Steelers, I mean, Tatum of the Raiders, that team who was defending Frenchy uh, Fuqua, who collided with Fuqua, if it bounced off both a defensive and offensive player, or vice versa, whatever order, and then it was grabbed by an offensive player of the Steelers, it was considered a legal play. And uh, that, that's the thing, though. So if it was bounced off on Fuqua, and our Steeler uh, touched the ball, it would be considered a double touch. And uh, that was done in a complete pass uh, bottom line of that game. And uh, definitely uh, one of the officials who was uh, marked with uh, controversy uh, in that. Of course, you had the official in that game who was uh, refereeing that game was Fred Swearingen right there, uh, who was a guy who was a scorer to the dugout at the Three Rivers uh, Stadium. He would uh, go on to uh, go to the phone booth, make a phone call to uh, question the play. Never confirmed uh, who he spoke to, according to John Madden. But the biggest uh, you know, conspiracy, according to Al Davis at that time, too, because remember, when the Steelers did score that touchdown, I mean, to go on and win that game, uh, 13 to 7, fans immediately stormed onto the field after the touchdown was scored. And, uh, you know, like, while the officials were still waiting for the call, they kind of came to the conclusion, you know what, let's not overturn this. We'll just let it stand as a touchdown and trust that the ball did bounce off Tatum. And then it was uh, caught by Franco Harris. Oh, that was the biggest thing right there. Uh, Swearingen. Uh, like I said, he he approached the silent official Jim Boss has to be taken to a telephone, and uh, it was not supported by other accounts. But from the dugout, Boston put on the call to the press box to the F, to reach the NFL supervisors of officials. But either way, at the end of the day, this was a significant play. And not only that, though, too, Franco Harris, I really feel like he brought a swagger to the Steelers organization. Because we think about it, let's just check this out. Including with the drafting of guys like when Chuck Noll came into the picture and Dan Rooney was starting to take a hand on things and working with Bill Nunn, who started uh, architecturing this uh, team. I mean, you had uh, in the draft, I mean, for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, at that time, you, you started it off with – Mean Joe Green, then of course 
Lear Rod, uh, Terry Bradshaw. Then uh, Lear Rod, it was uh, Jack Ham, if I'm not mistaken, that would uh, fall. Just some key uh, building components. I mean, right there. I mean, you also had Andy Russell, who was a huge uh, longtime uh, namestay uh, for this team. I mean, who was there for at least uh, six years prior to Chuck Knoll's arrival. I mean, he had a 14-year uh, uh, career as a Pittsburgh uh, Steeler. Uh, one season he had to miss, uh, do a military uh, practice. But anyway, like I said, I mean, the drafting at that time, I mean, you had Mean Joe Green. And, of course, I mean, before they long got Terry Bradshaw, they already had our quarterback and Terry Hamready. But Terry Bradshaw was the number one overall uh, pick in uh, 1970. And, of course, you also had other key pieces, uh, Jack Ham, who uh, came in there, and then Franco Harris. I mean, truly. I mean, for a team right here, I mean, their overall record was 168, 270, and 18. They were 102 games under 500. With only one playoff appearance, and where they got blinked uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles in the championship final with a career record of 168, 271, and 18. Since Franco Harris's arrival, a uh, big turnaround. They're, they won 503 regular season games with 331 losses and four ties. I mean, ever since then. And you really think about it right there. And then they also had. 32 playoff appearances, which makes the grand total of 33 altogether. 36 and 26 in the playoffs. I mean, just let that sink in for a moment. Uh, Coupled with the fact they went to six out of eight Super Bowls, going six and two right there. He was definitely a magnificent piece in there. I mean, uh, Right there, I mean, uh, Phil, Phil Valpiano, who was saying that no way that play should have counted, uh, according to Phil Valpiano, who was a linebacker who actually got tripped up during the play, uh, he has said that to many people. So the Raiders, that play wasn't immaculate. It was illegitimate. The only thing that was received was home cooking from the game officials, they say. And uh, Mike Tomlin, believe it or not, who actually, remember, he just turned uh, 50 years old. He was, at that point in time, I mean, if you think about it, nine months old. I mean, just, I mean, just let that sink in for a minute, I mean, for, for the moment. About nine months old, this play uh, happens, or over eight months, excuse me. Uh, he, he said that he was in section 135 with his folks. Uh, he says that, I think it's funny, surprisingly, I've probably met 75,000 people that were there that day. Uh, according to Mike Tomlin, to the media uh, last Tuesday. It's just one of those beautiful things in the history of our game is humbling to be in close proximity to it, to work for his organization, to understand its impact on the organization. The career it spawned in Franco Harris, a gold jacket career, what it did for them in terms of changing the trajectory of that season, what's done for that franchise. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, just really just think about everything that he's embodied I mean, what he's just giving back, I mean, overall, the community, I mean, just his uh, personal life and stuff. I mean, 
it, it was just uh, sad to lose um, before the retirement ceremony. Because remember, his jersey announcement came a day or two after uh, Labor Day weekend of this year. Let's not forget. I mean, so that would have been September uh, 6th where they made the announcement. Uh, definitely surprised him. No doubt about it. But I mean, I may. Immediately after his death, many gave public tributes. Terry Bradshaw, who found out about Harris's death from his wife after seeing a text message from Mel Blunt, had just seen Harris two weeks prior. They were filming a material related to the Immaculate Reception's anniversary. I was in a state of shock. Bradshaw praised Harris, saying that as a teammate, he was just the best. And, I mean, it's just a, definitely a remarkable life right here. They got a uh, dedication to him on NFL Network, A Football Life uh, by Franco Harris, uh, which also came out this past weekend. Uh, they got it on YouTube already. Uh, the quality does not seem as good, but if you guys had a chance to GVR, I believe suggest you do right there or see if you can find it on the NFL app. I'm not sure if it's on there, but I, I would imagine it is. I mean, uh, Harris and uh, Little M Mitchell – Successful college team at Penn State co-owned Super Bakery, a company founded in 1960 produced nutrition-oriented foods for school children. Business was renamed the R Superfoods in 2006. R Superfoods produces a super donut that has been served to students in public schools in the eastern United States. Harris Mitchell also partnered in 1996 to rescue the Park Sausage Company in Baltimore, first African-American-owned business go public in the U.S., and uh, 2007, Harris was a paid representative for the Harris and Force City Enterprises, the single plan for downtown uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, January 2011 became core of the Pittsburgh Passion. And just a lot of stuff. I mean, it just piles on and on. And uh, just to have him uh, voted for the greatest uh, play all-time ever in uh, Steeler uh, history right there. I mean, for that moment, what they did, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, what they've done. And the Steelers, I mean, who definitely, I mean, during that time of the Super Bowl era, I mean, having 10 Hall of Famers, I mean, which is the second most behind Pittsburgh's on Green Bay Packers in the 60s with Park Star, a lot of those guys right there. I mean, just, just think about just what transcended. I mean, it was just an amazing career and just an amazing man at the end of the day. For always uh, meant to, I mean, so much. I mean, forever. I mean, for just being an icon. I mean, for a guy who was uh, born and raised in uh, Fort Dix, New Jersey, what he's done, I mean, just being mixed uh, Italian and black, it was just such a beautiful life at the end of the day for uh, what he did and everything, just, just, just what he meant. And if anything, I mean, just well, I'm going to remember Franco Harris for just uh, his character, the way his enthusiasm was. I mean, my favorite memories of him were the, like, the last two years especially uh, when he joined in on Zoom during the first year of the pandemic, I surprised Missy Matthews and a host or two 
Uh, getting pumped up for the 2020 NFL draft. Remember, the Steelers' uh, first pick in the draft uh, did come until the second or third round where they got Chase uh, Claypool. And then, of course, if you remember, he announced the Steelers' I mean, very first pick in 2021 where he uh, announced uh, Pat uh, Fryer move in uh, that one. He came out to announce the second uh, draft pick. And he mispronounced his name by saying Freer Move. And Freer Move, I said he always gave him crap about that. And he had fun with it. I remember the first time I met him, I apologized that he pronounced uh, my name wrong. Uh, but Freer Move did say I, I just built that relationship through that. And him announcing my pick was a huge uh, honor. I've learned more about his legacy and his time in Pittsburgh. Uh, if any of you guys want to check out the clip, uh, of him announcing it. I'm pulling it up right now here on YouTube. I mean, it was just just an incredible moment. And then also him this uh, announced the Steelers are 20th overall up back in 2022. And uh, here we go. Uh, pulling up right now. Just give me just another second here. But yeah, definitely been a sad week. Uh, no, no doubt. I mean, anybody who would just hear the name of uh, Franco, you know the man who he is, and uh, just always uh, touches so many, not just in the NFL, but people who just uh, knew him. I'm more. Uh, I mean, just an honor. I mean, just his enthusiasm, how he just meant to him. I mean, I mean, so I had an honor to be at the game uh, this past weekend. I had a ticket bought for. Sorry, I did not get a chance to take so many picks, but let me just say this: I did not drive. I was taking public transportation. I was initially supposed to take Amtrak. Uh, that fell through, and then I had to switch over to flying. And let me just tell you, uh, the adventures trying to fly out from a place like Chicago where there's any type of, like, severe weather with snow and freezing temperature, it was a nightmare trying to get there. Uh, so many flight delays and cancellations. My thoughts and prayers are with all family, friends, loved ones who had any Christmas or holiday uh, New Year plans trying to get out a lot. I was flying southwest. Thankfully, I was able to leave out of there quite after 10 and get there uh, after midnight, and then go to sleep till four four thirty in the morning, trying to get out, get a ride to my hotel. But anyway, yeah, I mean, just an incredible icon. He's just met for so many years. If I'm just leave anything to remember about uh, Fire Move, uh, basically, I mean, uh, Franco Harris, just how he always just managed to stay humble. He was just very charitable, like a lot of many men are. And he always just wasn't shy to be a part of the organization. 
and just make his presence known and uh, touch others. I think that's what continues to remind us of you know, the spirit of Christmas right here to what just happened. I hope everyone had a great uh, Christmas. I mean, Friar Move did go on to say, I, I, in regards to his relationship with Franco, I was just built, I just built that relationship through that. Him announcing my pick was a huge honor, Friar Move said. I've learned more about his legacy and his time in Pittsburgh. It was tough hearing the news this morning, according to Friar Move. Uh, we had a great relationship. I was told to follow him and his legacy of how to be a Steeler. The Friar Move, who currently hosts a radio segment called Chalk Talk every Tuesday night with Craig e Craig Wolfley at the Giant Eagle Market District, Robson Township. And speaking of fire move too, I mean, he made a huge uh, play uh, to help uh, have the game uh, winning score against the Vegas uh, Raiders. Just want to sum that up real quick. I know they get a chance uh, to mention uh, much. And I was out for a while. Sorry for being away a long time. Just had a rough month uh, dealing with some things uh, that are beyond my uh, control. But, uh, Try to uh, make this thing uh, work, and I do apologize for the long, I mean, layoff. But yeah, I mean, week sixteen, Steelers who almost should have been down by multiple times. This game should have been over a long time ago by the Raiders. Derek Carr, who had pivotal three interceptions uh, in that game, he was being uh, benched this weekend. I mean, the Raiders are just about eliminated from the playoffs. They're still mathematically alive, but have not been officially eliminated. But, I mean, in the contest right there, I mean, Pat Fryermove uh, – no, not Fryermove, excuse me. It was George Pickens who actually caught the game when he touched down pass. I take that back. But, I mean, in that game, it was just prophetic right there. I mean, what the Steelers were able to score in that uh, contest right there. I mean, I mean, they only had, I mean, 13 points, which have to be the same number of points they scored 50 years ago to beat the Oakland Raiders at the time, 13-7. Uh, Good score result, but 13 points scored each uh, way right there. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers had an A.H. yard drive that was in for a field goal, and then a 55-yard drive for an additional three for six points. And then their uh, second-largest uh, drive of the night, which was a 76-yard uh, drive right there, where uh, George Pickens caught a 14-yard uh, pass from Pickett, uh, and they kicked the extra point 13-10. And the Steelers would get another game-sealing uh, interception in that contest right there. So, by the way, which uh, leads into the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, uh, transitioning for Franco Harris. I uh, just want to continue to wish my uh, condolences to his wife and his kid and the Harris family right now. Uh, just very sad to see him go. But anyway, with that being said, the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, uh, they're still alive in the AFC uh, playoff uh, pitcher. Uh, they were needing some help from the L.A. Chargers, but they did beat the Indianapolis Colts on Monday night uh, to win and seal the currently the sixth playoff seed for right now. They could still drop a spot. I, I would imagine they won that game uh twenty to three, and Jeff Saturday, who has been zero and four since his opening uh win. Right now, the standings uh look like this in the AFC uh conference. Right now, of course, you got the Bills, Chiefs, the Bengals, and then the Jaguars, your division uh leaders. 
with only two divisions being clinched by the Bills and the Chiefs right now. The wild card shakes out right now. The Ravens are currently in the number five seed, while the Chargers are the sixth seed. And then the Dolphins right now, who are clinging on to dear life, Tua Tagovailoa, who will be going to the Kentucky Protocol for the third time this season, beginning with the Bills in Miami this past year, uh, back in week three. Then, of course, later on, less than that week, uh, who played against the Bengals. I remember he showed some signs, like uh, within like the spine, spine I believe it was, which fell into the protocol of concussion protocol to be checked out. Uh, he ended up playing, but he actually got taken out of that game during the Bengals in that Thursday night loss. And then once again, uh, losing to the Green Bay Packers, who are still alive right now at 7-8. and eight. So right now, the Steelers, they would need the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets, and either the Jaguars or the Titans to lose out, basically. Because remember, here's the thing right now. The, which could get very interesting. The week 18, uh, should things shake out the way they are? If they could have, I mean, right now, Edwards lose eight and nine, Titans will get the division. The Steelers could uh, grab the wild card spot as long as the Dolphins lose out, along with the Patriots and the uh, Jets. I mean, the Dolphins need to lose out. And then the Patriots and Jets would need to lose out the rest of the way, uh, basically. I mean, the way it looks. And Bridgewater right now, he'll be filling in. Ty Bridgewater, he'll be filling in for Tua this weekend uh, as the Miami Dolphins will take on the Patriots at Gillette Stadium. Patriots are two-and-a-half uh, favorites, according to Oddshark. Jets will take on the Seahawks in Seattle. Uh, Jets are one-and-a-half point uh, favorites right now at this point. Uh, Seattle, who's having an interesting uh, season right now, they're still alive in the uh, playoff uh, hunt, as it appears uh, for right now. As uh, Seattle Seahawks right now, they are about, it looks like a half game out from the Washington uh, Commanders. There you have it. I mean, if you think about, it, like I said, the previous uh, Christmas, uh, I mean, the miracles the Steelers have had in their uh, history, they had they are six, they are six and five all time when needing help. I mean, 1976 need a Raiders win, and the Steelers had to beat the Orioles in the final week of the season. Uh, both those things happened. Steelers got in. The playoffs by winning the division. 1977, they needed a win plus a Oilers win over the Bengals right there in that year. Uh, and where the Steelers would eventually be one and done uh, to the Denver uh, Broncos. They would uh, clinch the division with the Oilers uh, being the Bengals, who they lost to the Bengals, I believe it was, the week before, which was – or, like, excuse me, two weeks before. No, week before the last season, basically, week 13. I mean, the Oilers would beat the Bengals. Steelers would hang on to beat the Chargers 10-9. to They would go on to lose to the Broncos for the eventual Super Bowl uh, representatives in the AFC. Then, of course, uh, 1989, they needed a win plus a Raiders, Colts, 
Dolphins and Bengals lost. Uh, Steelers and Steelers needed to win. That happened. They won a playoff game against the Orioles, which is Chuck Knowles' revenge against the Houston Orioles uh, coach uh, at that point in time. As everyone uh, recalls, for the Oilers, who's just uh, an antagonist in Chuck Knowles' eyes, and of course, uh, Jerry uh, Glanville. And then of course, you had other ones too. 1993, they needed a win, plus a Jets and Raiders or Dolphins lost. Steelers beat the Browns. Dolphins lost to the Patriots, and the Patriots and the Jets lost to the Oilers. Uh, they got in. They lost to the opening round to the Kansas City Chiefs. 2015, they needed a win, plus a Jets loss. Steelers won. Jets lost to the Bills. Steelers would uh, be eliminated in the second round to the Broncos. And then last year, of course, they needed a win, plus a close loss, and they Raiders. First charges could not tie. Steelers shares off 9-7-1. One and done. First Chiefs. And the only times that failed was 2000, 2009, 2013, 18, and 19. I mean, the last time the Steelers really needed a lot of uh, help was 2013. They needed a win plus a Dolphins, Jets, Ravens, and Chargers lost. Steelers beat the Browns. Dolphins lost to the Jets. And the Ravens lost to the Bengals and the Chargers uh, beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs need to beat the Chargers. There was a missed illegal formation call where a five-yard penalty was supposed to be called. should have been uh, called plus a re-kick, uh, which was supposed to be beginning in 2013, according to the competition committee. Her role and where teams were not allowed on defense to have more than six players on either side of the snapper. Uh, Steelers would have their playoff hopes stashed. Unfortunately, they finished out 8-8. Eight eight. They could have got in at 500 in that year. So we shall see uh, what happens right now. Uh, some roster updates. Uh, according to this, prior reports, the Steelers have opened the practice window for quarterback Killer Witherspoon, who has been on IR with a hamstring injury. Sam Hayward earns AFC Defensive Player of the Week at a monster game this past Saturday. Seven tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, one pass defense. Steelers have signed linebacker Tay Crowder to the 53-man roster out the Giants practice squad. And linebacker Marcus Allen, IR Pittsburgh, has also signed safety Scott Nelson's team's practice squad. Uh, Coach Tomlin on the injuries. Marcus Allen had bicep surgery yesterday. Miles Jack groin and Trey Norwood hamstring. Eddie expects Terrell Emmons to be available on Sunday night. Remember, this game has been flexed to so a Sunday night game. Ravens are listed 12 uh, on the uh, injury report uh, going into this game uh, for this. And the players that are on that injury report are defensive end, a player's Campbell deal with knee injury, uh, Lamar Jackson, knee, uh, right tackle, Morgan Moses, uh, rest, uh, Marcus Pierce, calf injury, did not practice, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, illness, uh, left tackle, Ryan Staley, uh, who is resting, and right tackle Kevin uh, Zeitler, uh, rest on rest non-injury related, but they do have at least for right now three of their guys, their starters, uh, which is two on defense with Calais Campbell with the knee and uh, Marcus Pierce cornerback with a calf, and then quarterback Lamar Jackson. Uh, as they, it was a lot of question right now. When if uh, John Harbaugh is going to acknowledge if Lamar Jackson would be practicing or not. Remember what happened last year? They went 0 6 without him the rest of the way. 
So we'll find out what happens. Uh, Steelers right now uh, got a chance right now to keep their playoff uh, hopes alive, trying to avoid a uh, sweep at the hands of the Baltimore uh, Ravens uh, in this uh, contest right now. Uh, the Steelers, who still lead the all-time uh, series uh, versus Ravens at 29-24. Uh, they need to win out. Uh, if they shoot themselves in the foot by losing this game, they eliminate themselves. So we'll see what happens. Once again, you guys can follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter, at MassMissyGR, and on Instagram, at MassGirlMation. Always leave it. Don't be trolling. Be rolling. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. And this one's for Franco. Let's make the rest of the season immaculate. I gone.